may God bless the reading of his word this morning. And boys and girls, now you can go. Have a great time. The Centre for Biblical Engagement in Lincoln, Nebraska, ran a nationwide survey in 2006 to de determine the Bible reading habits of devoted Christians. They found that of those Christians surveyed, 98.7% believed that the Bible was relevant to their everyday lives. 99.4% believed that the Bible was the inspired word of God. 96.7% believed it to be their life authority. And 94.4% believed we must read the Bible to know God. However, less than half the recipients in the survey, I don't have the exact figures, read their Bible every day. How's your daily Bible study going? I wonder if you would agree with those statements that the Bible is relevant, that it's inspired, that it's the authority in your life and that it's something that you need to do in order to know your maker and your Lord, but find that in the everyday well, routine of life, struggle, uh, all the rest, pressures, time commitments. Bible study is something that just doesn't happen all that much. I wonder why that is. Is it the time commitments? Is it the pressures? Is it the way that we're feeling one day to another? Do we just pick it up on the days where we feel good? Or do we just pick it up on the days that we feel bad? Maybe it's like a mirror that we don't always like to look into. Hebrews 4 says that the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and our desires. Swords are dangerous things, aren't they? And when we think about a sword laying open our own souls, maybe it's something that we do like sometimes to leave on the shelf or we do like just to uh, pick up and, and use privately and tentatively uh, by ourselves i want to say a few things about the bible this morning not just that it should be read but the bible connects us with god it can be read by anyone and should be studied with someone and the bible is what points us to Jesus. Let's uh, ask that the Lord will open his scriptures this morning as we read them together. Lord Jesus, we want to know you. We want to love you. We want to know the God and Father who you have revealed to us. And so, Lord, we turn to your word inspired by your spirit. And we pray that by your spirit you would reveal to us the condition of our own hearts the nature of our own lives, the, the benefit of, of your word and, and the sharing it one person to another. Lord, reveal yourself to us this morning. Encourage us and equip us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at those points as we uh, study Acts chapter 8 together. Firstly, that the Bible is something that connects us with God. We read of an Ethiopian eunuch who has just been to Jerusalem 
and is now heading back home again. And as he's traveling in his chariot, he has the scroll of Isaiah open before him. What is it that the Ethiopian is searching for? A greater knowledge of God. He's been to Jerusalem in order that he might worship God. And now as he's leaving, he's, he's understanding that this is not just an experience that I go and do and then I return to my daily life as it was, but an experience of, of worshipping God in his holy place is something that needs to translate into an understanding of who he is and a study of his word. And so as he's returning home, he has this scroll open and he's, he's reading to, him, to himself words that the Bible itself says are breathed out by God. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 3. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. It shows us what we're really like and shows us what we really should be doing. It shows us God's will for us. And so shows us who God is. What is it that he's doing in the world around us? And what is it that he wants to be doing in us? If we're not reading the Bible, we're not connecting with God. The Bible is something then that should be read by everyone. We are all God's creatures. And so if we're to know our creator, we need to read the word of God. God is our saviour and if we are to know our saviour, we are to read the word of God. God is the one who has a plan for each and every one of our lives. And if we want to walk in that plan, we need to read the word of God. And the wonderful thing is that the Bible is available to us, accessible to us, spoken in a way through the lives of others, but, but at the same time, holds a message that is unique to each and every one of us. That's what the Ethiopian believed as he uh, read the prophet Isaiah. The spirit said to Philip, go over to, and join the chariot. So Philip ran over and, and heard him reading Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? He said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Wonderful thing is that Anyone can read the word of God, but even more wonderful than that is when we read it with somebody else. Because reading it with somebody else draws us into the study of God's word and allows us to understand what God is saying to us uh, even more accurately. Ethiopian, you might say, is the anyone and Philip is the someone. The Ethiopian, anyone reading, Philip, the someone who he invites to read with him. It's wonderful that we can just read the word of God and take it at face value. But, but even more wonderful is the study of God's word and understanding of its truth. That's what the Ethiopian wants. I'm reading Isaiah. I'm reading about this, this lamb who is uh, being led to the slaughter. But I want to know more about it. Can you explain it to me? Philip speaks to, to the Ethiopian of of his understanding of the word of God in its fullness. He would have spoken of, of the experiences that, that he had been witness to and had heard of through eyewitnesses. Uh, experiences that are now recorded for us in places like John's Gospel, where John the Baptist was standing by, uh, by the, the river and saw Jesus coming towards him. 
and declared, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Put John 1.29 alongside of Isaiah uh, and, and we begin to see that, that this Lamb that Isaiah is speaking of is Christ who has given his life for us. And it's that understanding that Philip is able to give to the Ethiopian who's searching for God and searching for him in the scriptures but just needs someone to help him study the word of God completely to, to gain an understanding of it. For you and I, as we read this passage, we can go, well, that's a, a great encouragement to, to read the word of God and to invite somebody into that study with us. But as we study the passage, we, we begin to see things like uh, Christ's mandate uh, to his disciples to, to take this gospel and begin discipling people in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And, and we read in Acts that, that Jesus is, is fulfilling this scripture in, in leading Philip by the Spirit to, to speak to the Ethiopian who's on his way back down to the Queen of Ethiopia. Ethiopia at that time was regarded as what? Not Jerusalem or Judea or even Samaria, but the very ends of the earth. Here, scripture is being fulfilled and, and we begin to be excited by what God is doing as we, we take a story like this and, and put it all into the context of, of the, the gospel going out through the whole world. And we begin to be excited that, that what God has said he will do, he will do. The Ethiopian reflect, represents an even greater promise. In Deuteronomy 23, verse 1, I don't think anyone has memorized this scripture. So let me read it to you. It says, No one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. Kind of makes sense that we don't memorize that one, doesn't it? But you have to look at it. When you, when you look at a story about a eunuch, what does the Bible say about eunuchs? It doesn't just say that there was an Ethiopian eunuch who was heading back home and he was reading Isaiah. It says that here's a man who is worshipping in Jerusalem, the God who in, the word, in his word and in his law said, no one with crushed testicles shall enter the assembly of the Lord. So has this man done wrong or what's really going on here? I didn't ask you to turn to Deuteronomy, but turn with me to Isaiah, the very book that the, the eunuch was reading. We're going to look at, verse, uh, at chapter 56. And I want to study this with you because this holds a great promise for the Ethiopian eunuch as it does for us. Isaiah 56, verse 3. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. What a great promise. 
for a people who, who God has, for his own reason, said, these people are, are not permitted to enter, now through the prophet of Isaiah speaks this wonderful promise that these people will be greater than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. I don't know if those words are chosen for that purpose, but they speak a wonderful truth. And I asked you to open because it continues. And the foreigners, that's you and me, who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to the love of, of the name of the Lord and to his servants, Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him beside those already gathered. And so we see that as the Ethiopian eunuch opens the scriptures and begins to see in the, the words of the law and the prophets through Isaiah that, that what God has declared uh, in the past is true for me, that I can go and worship God and, and I can enter into a relationship with him. And by his word, I can know that, that great is my promise and great is my inheritance. And we begin to be excited alongside of the eunuch because those promises also include us. How wonderful is the study of scripture? It's not just a story about an Ethiopian eunuch and, and a man who's good at running in, up to chariots. This is a story that's wonderful for us. That as we open the word of God and we invite people into our chariot to explain it to us, that this gives us great promise and great hope. God's word shows its power to those who read it. And we would read this and say, yes, that's true for Philip. Because by the spirit of God, he has led him to sit in the chariot with the eunuch. But as we dig a little bit deeper, we see that actually this is true also for the eunuch. God is allowing his power to flow through those who read his word, including the eunuch who's sitting in his chariot with the book of Isaiah. It's a great encouragement to us in our travels, in our lying down, in our rising up every day to, to be traveling with the word of God open before us. Even where some parts are hard. We might think we've got a great understanding of all of scripture, but there's probably a few verses in there that you read and you just have to go, I don't understand that at face value. I know there's a great truth here. I need to dig a little bit deeper. And so I want to encourage you today to dig a little bit deeper. I quoted from the Centre of Bible Engagement uh, earlier. Their 2006 study also discovered that regular Bible readers have a few habits that they hold in common. These people own a Bible. They keep a journal as they read the Bible. They use a study aid or a study guide. They follow a reading plan. They read in the morning. They belong to a Bible study group. They attend Sunday school, American context. I don't know how different those two things are, but that's what the, what the study case re, uh, revealed. They have an accountability partner. 
and they have a mentor. Find reading the Bible difficult in order to, to maintain on a regular basis? Why not employ one or more of those strategies? Get a good study guide to read the Bible with. Write down the things that God is saying to you each day as you read his word. Meet regularly with someone who will ask you the question, what have you been reading lately? What's God been teaching you? Study in a group of people. Listen to their thoughts. Hear what God is doing through their lives. Have an accountability partner. Have a mentor. Make use of good reading apps. Uh, the survey didn't reveal this, but I found it to be true. Um, one that I enjoy is called Read Scripture. Uh, it's developed by the people who do the Bible Project. And, uh, and each day it gives you uh, some scripture to read. And oftentimes we'll just put a little uh, helpful video in to say, this is what this book's about. This is how it's broken up. This is how you understand it. And every now and then put in a video that says, what is salvation? What is a covenant? Uh, what is um, you know, this theological concept that's, that's rich in the, Bible, in the book that you're about to read? Others, I think, have found apps like YouVersion helpful. Uh, those ones that tell you how many days in a row you've, you've read without, without breaking it. Some of those goals can be helpful. Recently, I uh, received the encouragement to, uh, to just simplify the reading of the Bible with someone. Just read a passage out loud a couple of times and then ask the person that you're reading it with, to, to retell the story and then just ask a few basic questions. What does this tell us about God? What does it tell us about ourselves? And what are we going to do about it? Now, you can do that with anyone, Christian or non-Christian. Think of someone in your life who you could just go up and say, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with. I don't know if you're interested. It's not too threatening, is it? They can say, no, I'm not interested. They can say, actually... There's a few things I'd like to know that I've heard are in the Bible. Why don't we start reading some of those things together? Look for someone to read the Bible with. It could be a great encouragement to you. What did Philip and the Ethiopian read? They were reading the scripture that says, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In humiliation justice was denied him. And who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. The Bible calls us to God. It, it reveals something about ourselves. But if you read scripture and you fail to read the words of Jesus or read within scripture the message that points us to Jesus, well then there is no way to God. There is no understanding of yourself. The Bible's sole purpose is to point us to Jesus who leads us to himself. Philip shows in this simple reading of a passage in Isaiah, one that we have already shared as we have met around the table of the Lord to, to think of his death and his, his resurrection for us, that Jesus is that lamb. Jesus is the one who went to the slaughter 
but opened not his mouth. He would have been able to go on to tell him of, of the trial of Jesus, how unjust, how unfair it was, and how Jesus could have removed himself from that circumstance. But he remained. He didn't open his mouth to defend himself. He let the accusations of others false rest upon him in order that there would be nothing that would prevent him from taking my misdeeds, my injustice upon himself. After Jesus' resurrection, there were two men that were walking on a road together. They'd heard stories of this resurrected Jesus, but they weren't quite certain what to make of it. We read in Luke 24:27 that this man who began to walk with them spoke with them beginning with Moses and all the prophets and interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And later as he lifted up the bread and blessed it and broke it before them, their eyes were opened. It's Jesus who's been walking with us. It's Jesus who we invited to this meal to stay with us. It's Jesus who is opening up the scriptures to us. And as he did, he helped us to see that all of the scriptures, the law and the prophets, they all point to him. That his purpose was to come and to give his life for us. That's why we have the Bible in our hands. The Old Testament and the New. That we might understand that from the very beginning God had a plan for us. A plan for our good. A plan to bring forgiveness. A plan to, grow, to show his grace and mercy. A plan to glorify his son. So the Bible points us to God as we read it and read it together. And it points us to Christ. So a return to reading the Bible is really a return to God himself. Just as forgetting to read the Bible is forgetting about God. Let me ask you, what else do you forget when you forget to read the Bible? What else begins to enter into your life when the regular reading of the Word of God exits it. We could look at the story of uh, recorded to us late in 2 Kings of a, of a great man, Hezekiah, who brought great reforms to the people of Israel and, and brought them back to the worship of God. But how his son Manasseh turned away from the Lord and began to do despicable things in the land. Things that God had removed people from the land because they were doing. These were the things that Manasseh was doing. And his son continued to do it. But then a new king came. He was crowned king at eight. And within the first 18 years of his reign, began to seek the Lord. Looked back to the temple of the Lord and said, this is something that we need to restore we need to get back to the worship of God. And as he sent the craftsmen in, uh, men that he trusted, 
to, to begin rebuilding the temple, they found there the scriptures. They found the word of God and they read it publicly. Shared it together privately first and then said, this is something that, that changes everything. You see, when the word of God had been forgotten, the people gave themselves permission to do all sorts of things. But when the word of God was recovered, the people once again returned to the Lord and to the worship of him. We are in a world that wants us to be like the world. And so we'll try and sell us the world's gods and the world's trinkets, the world's pleasures and the world's abandon. And we will buy it if we forget to read the word of God, if we neglect to read the word of God. What was it that gave Joshua strength and courage to do all that God was commanding him to do? Partly the promise of God that, that as he was with Moses, he would also be with Joshua. But also the encouragement that God gave him not to let the book of the law depart from his mouth, but to read it and meditate on it day and night. Then the Lord would make him prosperous and successful in all he would do. Returning to the Bible returns us to God. And so if there are things in your life that have entered in as you have let the reading of the word fall by, its, by the wayside, return to the word of God and return to his purposes for you. Let us be different from the world that we live in. Let me leave you with these words. It's from Psalm 119. We'll just read a couple of them. Psalm 119, verse 97. May this be our heart. O Lord, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant, for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your laws. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. I have refused to walk in any evil path, so that I may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from your regulations, for you have taught me well. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I've promised it once. I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. Let us pray together. Lord, our prayer is simple. Return us to the word. Return us to the word that we might read it and understand it. Return us to the word that we might read it together. That its insights might uh, be revealed as we speak and as we study. Return us to the word that you might return us to your heart. Return us to your word that we might see Christ. Lord, many of the pressures that come upon us, many of the distractions, many of the things that vie for our time, many of the passions that capture our hearts, 
But your word is for our guarding and for our guiding, for our understanding and for our instruction. Give us new ways to read the word of God. Give us old insights. Give us true understanding. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.